We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 64 of the SWW show. It's me, AJ. Got Mike. We're doing this live. Hello, hello, hello. On the Twitch channel. Um, luckily, I muted the uh, output for the moving out soundtrack, so you don't hear that in the podcast uh, feed. But, yeah. Yeah, we're here to talk about a lot of stuff, but let's just get started. Uh, let's let's start with the thing that I don't know. We're going to talk about some stuff we've kind of played, we've seen, we've done. Yeah, the what typical. Is I, what does IW mean? Uh, infinite wealth. Rather than uh, type out like a dragon, infinite wealth. No, no. I should have probably realized that. I just looked at it, I go, in my head I went, infinite yeah. warfare? No. <laughs> so I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> nope. Any, so what, anything new on infinite wealth? You're just kind of getting through it or? I am 12 and a half hours in. And I just unlocked the ability to change jobs. <laughs> Which, for those that played Yakuza 7, realize with the new combat um, system, jobs are pretty damn important. Um, like, it's your base resistance and damage and health and everything is based on your job. And for me to be 12 hours in, or more than 12 hours in, and just unlocking that. Now, granted, you could probably get there a little quicker because I was doing some side stuff. But it's like, there's some, there's points where it's like, hey, you should probably level up. And it's like, I'm kind of maxing out my level. Have you gotten to the Pokemon part yet? I don't know. Like, yeah, that's really, like right okay. at the beginning. Okay, I know that was like one of the things that they like unlocked yeah. versus. That's pretty much right at the beginning. Um... And so now my job is a Pokemon trainer, more or less. That's amazing. Um, so I can, like, my abilities are to summon my, for lack of a better term, Pokemon, um, in to do elemental damage and stuff like that. So, so, so am I correct in understanding the Pokemon game is people you're collecting? Yeah. Like, did I, did yeah. I hear this? I, I feel like... I, I understand these games, but like I was not obviously I've not looked too into this one. But that's what I remember hearing someone say was that it was people. I mean, you have to remember, right? Like the whole thing about like a dragon from seven on is Kazuga sees the world as a like a dragon quest esque game, which is why it's turn based fighting and a lot of that stuff. 
So if you think of it as he sees the world, like <clears throat> he's tripping balls so much that he sees the world as video games. Like it kind of makes some of the, you know, uh, open world interactions with random encounters fun because you can end up recruiting. Like there's a whole mini game around recruiting guys and stuff like that. But, of course, it's a Yakuza side game. So, the characters from the other games are in there, and they're always the best. So, you just, you end up playing with, like, Kiryu and um, some of the characters from Seven. And, like, Adachi, I believe, is in it. Like, Nanba is in it. Like, all these characters from Seven are Pokemon as well. So it kind of makes that side like leveling up your own random ones kind of pointless. Um, unless you're just in it for the collecting aspect of it. But I haven't unlocked the Animal Crossing minigame yet. I don't know when that's going to unlock, honestly. Like, if I'm 12 hours in and just unlocking jobs, I'm worried that it's going to be like 60 hours in and I'm just unlocking the island. Oh, 100%. It's going to be something absurd. Yeah. I'm Where where would this kind of rank kind of in your in your grand scheme of, of these? Would you say kind of this is... Because obviously this is a very different one, too, with kind of location yeah. and stuff. Um, I'm way too early to make a formal ranking. Um, and part of the problem, too, is, like, I played 1 through 5 before the Kiwami and other remasters. So some of that stuff has changed. Um... But as of right now, I'd say eight is in line with seven. Um, Which I remember you liking seven a good chance. Yeah, seven's fun. Um, yeah, so I remember that other, one being one that. Other than the skill cliff that they throw you in at like 55 hours, which is really annoying. Um, yeah, it's seven's fun. It's because it changed from the um, Batman-esque combat to the turn-based stuff. Um, so this, your strategy changed a lot. But really, other than that, I mean, 6 is still probably my favorite. Only because is it six, had baseball. I said, was 6 the first one that got big in America? Or was it 5? Uh, like we know what I'm talking about. like I guess like, like there was a point where like these things just became like the big game like zero is that, is that came out before six okay and zero was like the first one that I remember really being talked about um and that's partially because people that had played the series like myself um 
Zero, that can't be right. Zero was all the way back in 2015. <laughs> Dude, Zero is old as hell, yeah. No, um, but I, I, because I, I remember that, I think you're right, like, Zero might be the one looking at this kind of timeline-wise, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Like well, everybody was like, like, everybody that had played Zero was, or had played through, I guess, five at that point, um, were like, hey, Zero would be perfect for everyone because it's going to be new to everyone. You know, it's not like Zero was already out in Japan and they're bringing it out mm-hmm. um, in the West. No, it's it's full-on brand new story for everyone. So reading it while we're talking is it looks like Zero is the one that, like, it didn't sell super well, but it's the one that, like, broke the, like, everyone talking about it looking at its sales. Because the ones after that start selling comically more. Is what yeah, it looks like it Six did very well, I remember. Yeah, I didn't... Zero, it, like, it's talking about how, like, in its first week it sold, like, 200,000 copies, but, like, it was a new record for the series at the same time. Yeah. And then, yeah, once you get to six, it's like, oh, it just sells. Yeah, in just Japan, it sold 200,000 copies the first week, but that was globally, it sold 200,000 copies. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that's a level where you just see the jump of them. It's wild. But, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's great. Uh, I'll just jump in with one, the easy one, which is I was playing... Uh, Civ 6 some more on Steam Deck. I think the last time I got to talk about creators can be... Uh, I'm going to start tonight, actually, so next time we'll have a new strategy game I'm going to talk about. Is I'm going to try this new game called Against the Storm, which is apparently like Civ, but with like some roguelike elements mixed in. So, check that one next time. I'll be kind of intrigued by that. Uh, for you, it looks like you finished the God of War. Yeah, 40 hours later. Uh, did you do that DLC thing or no? I have not hopped into Valhalla because I was like, I need to take a break from this. And then conveniently, I started playing Infinite Wealth. Conveniently. And now Infinite Wealth will probably be all I'm playing for the next month and a half. That's fair. Uh, Bragnarok, what do you, what do you, how does it sit with you kind of as a full package now that you've gone through it? Um, I will say the finale to that game had so many moments of me just like watching the cutscenes and going just like, fuck yes. Like, you know, some of the story beats and the fights and character developments right at the end. Where it, like, I don't know, we're far enough along, right? Like, if you haven't played Ragnarok, what are you doing? You played it, right? You finished it? Yeah. Sindri, like, snapping and going insane. (laughs) And just going on this torment of, like, Oh yeah, don't worry, I'll go get the dwarves. And then he's the only one that comes out and he's like, fuck this, we're going after him. I think so I generally think that um that that I think it wraps the package really nicely and also like it's a good twist of like like we know what like now because of stuff like Marvel movies actually, we broadly know what the Ragnarok conceptually means and how it's supposed to end. And I think they kinda find a way to like take that and like still play with it really well too. Well, here's what everyone forgets, right? Like, Marvel is no um, 
sweetheart either. Mm. Ragnarok is not like an event. It's a being. And it's the one thing that the game actually covers very well is like Ragnarok is not you're not like you're not bringing heaven to earth right in the way that like Revelations talks about Mm -hmm. it's you're summoning a world destroyer and he will destroy every world Right. The whole point of Ragnarok is that it's it's the end of the world. Like I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate defense, it's right? Like, it's it's the Norse apocalypse in a lot of ways, but it's a weapon that you could use. Yeah, it's best way to describe it is Ragnarok is a nuke, right? Um, like a nuke that you can't control. <laughs> well, you can See, launch you, it, but you don't know what's going to happen. Basically, that, okay, that's fair. That's fair. You could send it a direction, but you just hope to God it doesn't turn around. Yeah, well, it will turn around. That's the thing, right? Like, right. It's the thing that the game doesn't cover, and it's the thing that um, Marvel never covered because Marvel barely scratched, barely understands Norse mythology to begin with. Um, Ragnarok will come after the world that the person that summoned him is from. Right, right that's the part though. It's it's not this thing where you can go like, oh yeah, like uh you know, Ragnarok will only take down Asgard. No. He'll take down wherever he's summoned, which in most cases is Asgard. Mm-hmm. And then he'll move on to Midgard, to Svartalheim, <laughs> to Helheim. Like he will destroy Hell, he'll nine, destroy. Nine like, rooms? It's nine. Yeah, it's, it's nine rooms. It's nine or seven. Yeah, okay. Nine. Um, you know, he'll destroy Elfheim. Like, take your pick. There's no surviving it. Um, so yes, in a way, also, it is the apocalypse, but it's like, it's an apocalypse where there literally is no afterlife. Mm. Like, there's some translations where he even goes after Valhalla. And just eliminates everyone, right? Like anyone that died heroically gets killed too, like, and they don't stand a chance. Also, um, more uh, we recommend always the. Uh, it's more the original one's based off than this one, but it's that Neil Gaiman Norse mythology book is a great intro to Norse mythology that I think that makes it very digestible too. And it even discusses, like, at least a version of Ragnarok in that one. Yeah, and I mean, even if you just want to play through these games, it does a very good job of handling, like, the introduction of Thor's sons, the introduction of Balder, the introduction of Mimir. It does a really good job of, kind of, you have an idea of who these people are and at least why they matter. Like, obviously, it plays with them in some capacity. But, like, but, like, I at least think it respects the idea of the character, even if it changes what the character is. Yeah, I mean, the twist of having Odin be Tyr was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, Solely because... It was inevitable that Kratos was going to have to face off against Tyr. Of course. Because it's Tyr is 
the god of war, right? Like, it's not Thor. People think it's Thor. It's not. Um, Thor is the god of thunder. The god of war is Tyr. He's a giant. He's from Jotunheim. And Kratos would have had to face off against Tyr. And then for the twist to be, oh, Tyr was Odin the whole time was a great twist. And also him killing Brock and that whole line of like, you know, Brock doesn't have a soul. So that's why when they were forming the spear, like the, um, goddess couldn't talk to him or couldn't hear him because he doesn't have a soul. was pretty cool. Cause I was wondering where Mm -hmm. they were going with that. Um, because the dwarves are, I mean, they're covered in Norse mythology, but I didn't spend a ton of time reading about them. But yeah, to, to have uh Sindri be like, uh, no, I don't want you going there because he knows what's going to happen. And then for Sindri to tell, um, now I want to just call him Loki, but, um, Atreus to tell him like, this is why Sindri doesn't want Brock going was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. Recommend. Uh, I would say it's better than the first one. Only because I like the way that, first off, it's on PlayStation 5, load times. Load times traveling between realms when you're not doing story stuff is very quick. Um, When they have to do the, you know, story dump. It's because they're not... I was like, soon, yeah, because they probably don't have to load cutscenes and all yeah. that. Like, what, like there's other stuff they have to like load immediately, pending when stuff's gonna activate. Yeah. So. There is still no, some load time, but it's seconds versus. I mean, even in the first one, like when you were traveling between realms, just knocking side stuff off, it took just about the same amount of time as the context dumps. Mm-hmm. So, whereas now it's very quick. It's not instant, but it's very quick. Nice. Uh, and then the final game here to talk about is uh, the game that I think safely to say somewhat broke the internet for a hot minute and still is like doing real good numbers is Helldivers 2. Uh, Helldivers 2 is... It's just so good. Um, it's we don't know. It's it's one of those where it's, it's four, up to four people in a squad, drop drop down onto like a planet to do some sort of relatively simple mission, and you have like a small kind of like small to middle size like map and level to kind of wander and do some side objectives. And your goal is to basically evacuate out. What makes it really fun is it's a combination of really hard, but also like everything's like really not squishy, also including you. And, and anything can kill you. So, like, your mine jump on a mine, or your teammates jump on a mine, they'll die. 
if you get in the way of like you and your turret and the turret detects an enemy, they'll plow right through you. So it just comes this like very chaotic, intense game. And and it also is one of the ones that's like it just feels really good. And it's super nice because there's monetization like there's a battle pass in this game. You can it's the first one of those that like you can truly ignore it your time in a long time. And the best toppers that's tomorrow is this is a forty dollar game. Like, this is like a $40 triple a game, which obviously we do not get anymore. And usually you get, like, a game like this, you'd expect it to be a lot worse of, like, quality or higher microtransactions. And honestly, unless you really want to play the systems, you wouldn't notice at all. This... Have you... Did you play the first one, or have you kind of dig into whatever's true? Uh, yeah, I played the first one. Not a ton. Um, but enough to understand, like... Okay, it's... A play mark, you know, twin stick shooter. Um, what was their other one? Oh god, they did have another game that was like, yeah, big. But yeah, but what's fun about that one is that one is a twin stick shooter. Um, this one is a first person shooter, and I'm still very intrigued by that internal decision. Gauntlet, part you're thinking, Magica, Magica, Magica is the big one. Um, hold on. That's their first game. The one I'm thinking of was... Do they have Gauntlet? Do they have... I don't know Showdown Alien effect. Nation. They have both... You th- oh, you're thinking of House... Okay, I know you're thinking of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and they came out around the same time, too, if I remember right. Oh, that's right. That far apart. It's not, um... It's not Housemark who makes... Yeah. Helldivers. Yeah. No, Helldivers is Arrowhead. I could totally see, though, where, especially the first one, that you'd get that <laughs> impression. Yeah, I mean, Alienation and um, Helldivers, the first one, I think, came out within months of each other. They, if not... Because that was, that was like, the time. tail end of Housemark trying to be the arcade studio. Yeah. It was, like, right at the edge of that. But, yeah, so. Helldivers 2, 100% recommend. It's a great... Go play with your friends, because I promise you all of your friends are playing this game based on the numbers. If they can get it. Game... Uh, honestly, now it's you get in. Also, they've up service to 700,000 concurrence. Which, like, do we think, like, games like Dota anymore really <laughs> get that kind of number? Like, 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 that's just such an insane level of concurrence that, like, they've upped their servers for. Well, let's see. Hold on. How do you store? Or... Are you doing the Steam place or whatever that is? Uh, I was just going to go to Steam and sort by players. Um, current con- I got Steam. I got Steam charts. Current concurrent. I'm sorry. Counter Strike Two has 887,000 concurrent players. Uh, the next highest is Dota Two with 307, and then Helldivers Two is at 271 concurrent on Steam. I was gonna say like, people like to, you know, go. Oh, it's you know whatever. Mm-hmm. They just forget how uber popular Counter Strike is. Oh yeah, no, no, that is insane. But but put perspective, like this game at least la- last weekend beat what at least currently Counter Strike's doing. I don't know what Counter Strike was doing then, but like, but like, it's still a level of also Counter Strike. It's just so I'm looking on, on Steam charts. It is comically flat, the amount of, like, their usage. Like, it's just kind of like, it's like the same amount of absurd amount of people log in every day. 
Like PUBG, it looks the same way. Yeah. Where Power World, you can see the inverse effect. <laughs> Power World, I'm, I'm feeling cheeks. It felt like everyone talked about it and then no one did. Yeah, I think everyone just figured out its shtick and was like, okay, we're good. Yeah, I think that's. I, I'm going to be very curious kind of the tale on that game. Just being realistic. Here's what's crazy, dude. May, so I believe May of. Um, 23 was when CSGO became Counter-Strike 2 officially no uh, October no I'm just not CSGO October's when the relaunch was wasn't it mm, may have been like may may have been the beta counter-strike 2 like hey we're switching got it you were correct so uh march 20 seconds when they announced it it didn't come out until like later in the year the only reason i know that is because may of 23 they saw two hundred thousand more players (laughs) in csgo and it was only a 20 percent increase (laughs) yeah that 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 makes sense it's a fucking juggernaut dude literally Everyone's like, oh, you know, Valve could retire on Dota. No, they can't. Valve can... It could be Valve. Valve could buy countries with Counter-Strike. But do you think they could still retire on Dota? Like, it's still impressive as hell, the numbers of Dota. Yeah. It's just not what Dota was. That's the difference. (laughs) Uh, October of 21, they gained a whole 85 players. God, I'd love looking at these numbers. They're hilarious. Also, question to that one actually is, how do you think they're counting this? Does this, because CS2 is CSGO right on the back end? Because, yeah, it's the same, it's the same game, right? Like, yeah. they just they just switched out the package, I thought. Yeah, they just basically relabeled it. Like, that, that's the same, so that's why the numbers also kind of go far, that far back, too. Because I was about to be like, how does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, that was the games we played. Go check out Hot Divers 2. Go check out Ragnarok. Honestly, go check out other games talk about tonight. Jumping to you. We'll get to the second thing. Well, the first thing you've seen in a minute. I've got to ask about the second thing first. Mm-hmm. Being the last flag flying. Yeah. What about it? What is that? That has got uh, Brian Cranston, Steve Carell, and... Um... I was gonna say Morbius, uh, Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne, and they are three retired Marines, and Steve Carell's son gets killed in Iraq. It's set in like 2005, maybe. Wait, is this the? Oh, it's Richard Lightcolator. I have heard of this yeah i forgot i forgot he was working on this it's okay it came out in 2017 um yeah it's fine i guess like 
there's some comedy there's some you yeah because steve crow kind of jumps in and out of comedy i feel he does like some seriously stuff too well the comedy honestly like comes guy. from in this comes a lot from brian cranston's character so brian cranston i think is good at being like that kind of like not comedy in like the i expect it to be a stand-up but comedy yeah So, yeah. It's all right. Um, you know, it's got four and a half stars on Prime. So, I mean, there's... It's 77% five star. 12% four star. Like, this is a movie that, you know, much like the rating systems for anything anymore... You look at the four, three, and two star reviews because that's where people actually care. Mm-hmm. Um, the five and the ones, people are just like, I either liked it or I didn't. So to see four star be three times as much as three star percentage wise, I should kind of tell you, like, it's fine, it's very passable. So. Also, what's wild is apparently it was a, it was a interesting about how apparently it's a so it's a sequel. It's from a book which is a sequel, but the sequel came out thirty years later. <laughs> wild. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, the other one you have on your list is the Gland Tour. The Grand uh, Tour's like penultimate uh, special sand job. Um, so I bet you the clip I saw was probably a press tour for that. Uh, so so what it was is, what's the... God, I have to pull up the Grand Tour cast to tell you which one it was. I, know, I, I can tell you which one was, but I have space. The one that uh, looks the youngest? Saw... The one that's got a really tall face or, like, wild hair? No, the, the, the old British guy. I'm pretty sure it's Jeremy Clarkson. They're all old British dudes. Sure, it's <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson. Uh, Jimmy Clarkson was on, I think it was a podcast or some or some sort of radio show. And and the question was, um, uh, what is your, what, are you are you happy that basically that, <laughs> that, that, uh, what was the show they were on before? Why am I drawing a blank on the name? Yeah, basically the, the Top Gear basically collapsed and no one cares since you left. And he was basically like smirking and laughing the whole time. Oh, was, the clip was I that the clip from the Jonathan Ross show? Oh, it could have been. That clip is like seven years old. <laughs> Oh, that's funny because that's like, I just saw the clip and I was like, I wonder if they were connected to this. No. Um, if it's the clip I'm thinking of, it's yeah, it's like the clip's seven years old or something like that. So. So how is the the sand uh, job is like? It's a return to. I don't know if it's through the editing process or what, but it really does feel like prime top gear specials. Like it doesn't feel too over forced. It doesn't feel like, um, Euro crash, which was their last one. They made a lot of comedy out of, out of it. Um, mm-hmm. but the forced bits still felt way too forced. 
in Sanjob, there's a lot fewer forced bits. Mm. Or at least they feel less forced, I should say. So. Um, definitely enjoyed it. It's two hours long, which is great, too, because it's like, you know, it takes place in Mauritania. Which they kind of cover at the beginning. Very few people remember that's a country. I was about to, I literally, you understand, I'm going, Mauritania? It's Western Sahara. Like, it's... Oh, you know, that this is a... Oh, it's literally, like, just east of Western Sahara. Okay. It's literally, yeah. Senegal yeah. would be, like, the one people know right by it. It's not far from Guinea and Morocco. Um, okay. They're, they drive down to Dakar. That's their goal. Um... Also, like, Africa as a continent is probably the country I'm least familiar with, of, like, where to place countries, is my guess. Africa and South America, but Africa. Do you sure. want to try that sentence again? Uh, Africa is the country uh, that I struggle the <laughs> most country figuring where countries. Uh, like Africa, Africa is the continent that I struggle yes. the most, like, where our countries are. Yeah, yeah I don't blame you. I, like, there's some things I, I can draw. Like, I can tell you South Africa is south, but, like, the, uh, like, that kind of stuff. I couldn't really tell you if you asked me, like, fill it out. I could probably do everything that borders the Med. Okay. Um, and then... The Horn of Africa. And then, yeah, South Africa. That's about it. Also, it's really interesting looking... Again, I pulled up the Google Maps, but it's like the world view. How Turkey is the only country that's not in English, even if they recognize it as something else. Like, in their native... Uh, that's because they changed that uh, fairly recently. Right. But it was just so interesting kind of seeing it. Cause, like, it's cause, like, still pronounced the other countries, Turkey. Like, I can see. Yeah. But, like, I'm very curious of, like, what country would you think spell the new spelling? If you don't live there. I mean, everyone just calls it Turkey. Like... Right. When's the last time somebody correctly identified <laughs> the former state of Czechoslovakia? <laughs> right. Now it's, I believe it's Czechia. Most people just call it the Dude, Czech Republic. That whole region. I don't think anyone knows what any, if you blindly ask people anywhere around there what any of those countries are right now, no one would tell you. I mean, I think that's the only one that really changed its name recently. Sure, but I meant like that whole block of countries. Like, there's a lot of that stuff. Like, because yeah. borders change so much there, and like in our lifetime, there's, there's a lot of that stuff where it's like, okay, it's a little harder to know. Yeah. Unless you're paying attention. Uh, jumping stuff I've seen. Uh, I feel like the first on list is something that seemed up your alley entirely. Uh, we watched The Fighter the other night, which I've never seen. By uh, David O. Russell, the Christian Bale, uh, Mark Wahlberg boxing film. Yeah, the boxing movie. Yeah, yeah it good. was good. It was very good. Um, I prefer uh, Warrior baby. over Fighter. Warrior is the Tom Hardy one. Mm. Um, where it's the two I'm brothers. It's and it's like an MMA tournament. Um, okay. I like that one better than the Fighter. I wouldn't say the fighter's a bad movie. Like the fighter's a very good movie. 
Um, yeah, the fighter. I just prefer. I can totally see that. The fighter, it definitely, I feel like, logs it. Like, maybe the family stuff gets, like, their moment I slows it down too much. But, like, yeah. as a whole, like, I think it's a very good journey. But, like, it's, or, like, the fight just kind of ends, too. It's probably my other complaint. It just kind of goes, and we're done. Yeah, Warrior's not much better, honestly. Um... But that's the problem I feel like with, bo like, boxing films, we were talking the other day of, like, they're really good at, like, showing a story, right? Because you you have, like, a per few person, there's a journey, you could really tight it in. But, like, yeah, like... But, like, most box films kind of just end right after the fight because, like, oh, this was the conclusion. How much do we, like, either do the old Rocky thing of cutting the credits there or you just put a, like, modern films, put a little bow in everything and call it a day? Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, or there's two, but we'll talk about one of them or the other, is uh, I sat down the first time in a while and uh, saw Donnie Darko again. That movie, honestly, holds up better than I thought it would. I, I think, like, there, there, there are problems with it, and it's definitely a very, like, weird, mentally, like, kind of what's going on film. But no, I, you can, I, I, you I think I was... No, you call it like it is. This, that movie is wholly, like, for the kids that think they're cool because they've seen Donnie Darko. <laughs> and they think... Oh man, this movie is so like, you know, the message in it, man, you just don't get it, right? Like, it's like, no, like, it's pretty obvious. You're not that original. Literally every kid since the movie came out that watched it has the same reaction. It's not like you're discovering some hidden... A hidden know, gem, hidden but gem. I do think, though, there there, there is something kind of... Like it's it's still like a decently like interesting film. Yeah, uh, it yeah, is I'll also give you that weird as hell. It's, it's still weird. Like, yeah, it's 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 a weird, journey that but... I think is worth going on once, but it's definitely a film that I think should be the the cult it is. Probably is the way I'd view yeah, it. Yeah, the cult is way too big around that movie. Yeah, that's probably the problem with it. I don't actually think I think the film without the cult is a fine film. Yeah, yeah. If this was just but, like a, you know. It just stayed an artsy movie from, mm -hmm. you know, the, what was it, like mid to late 90s? If this stayed truly a cult film and not a cult film that turned into like, like, not, so this, because Donnie Darko to me is like when people try to say Quentin Tarantino is like a cult director. No, he isn't. It's just, that's the way like it, we view him. It's big enough. Like this film's big enough where it's not really a cult film anymore. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem, too, is, like, for want of a better phrase, like, when something becomes a cult classic, it ruins whatever it is. Or right? it can. Like, I, I wonder there's, if there, I think there's, there's very, very fine. few things that survive the cult classic um affliction because inevitably what happens is you get something like rocky horror right mm -hmm. where the cult status around it surpassed that of the movie like the movie sucks mm -hmm. the movie is not a good movie i was gonna say the room is the other infamous example of what you're about to say yeah 
The Room in Rocky Horror, I think, very much sit in the same type of, yeah, like cult film. But the thing with those are is, I think it's wrapped around far enough where at least like if you go to those experiences, it's because like this is like a type of like Danny Darko's type of cult film where it's like you're all talking to Dark Alley because it's a cult film. Like those at least made into like a, oh I'm going for an experience and like that's why you're seeing the film. It's not actually to watch the film. Yeah, and that's like the they thing made into like out of them. Those films are so bad that people, like you say, they go for the to make fun of the movie basically. But Donnie Darko has this weird thing of like, I don't know, because people think it's so artsy, like we can't treat it like that because this is real art, man. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, yeah, art, I'm not going to say Donnie Darko is that. <laughs> art is so subjective and that, but. Donnie Darko is not some super avant-garde movie. Mm-hmm. People have turned it into thinking it is some avant-garde like masterpiece. But it isn't. Like I hate to break it to anyone that's a huge fan of Donnie Darko. It's okay at best. That being said, the other movie that you have on the list, I think, should have the status that Donnie Darko has. So you think so? And that, it's a way we'll better movie. Seven so we weren't feeling it. That's so interesting because, like, like we were, like we kind of did it, and it just wasn't sitting right. I don't know, and it feels like on paper something that like should have you be seen very it much before? No, that was the first time. Okay, it's definitely a movie that you need to see it maybe twice. Okay, and that could be what it is then. Because it also, is it so being weird Martin at Because like, cause like, it's like, I know like his big film people are talking about is In Bruges. And like yeah. In Bruges, I think it's a very another one you have to see a few times. Because I've seen that one and it's like, you can't really, that one's like a, you, you need to watch that one. Once, yeah, that film. Seven, the problem with Seven Psychopaths is like, it's so star studded that mm-hmm. it's slapping you. Like all of a sudden you're like, wait, hold on. Christopher Walken is doing what? So hear me out. I almost thought it got so started that it got distracting. And that's part of the. And that, that's part of the story. Like Woody actually, Harrelson, so. When Woody Harrelson kind of shows up, it's like a this doesn't fit who I picture Woody Harrelson as as a character, which is even why, as an evil yeah, character. Yeah, which is why I say you need to see it. Watch it another time. Mm-hmm. In like a couple months. And then report back because it's definitely one that like you need that base knowledge, but you don't want to watch it immediately. I guess you want to kind of say because like on paper, the story should be and the way it's kind of presented should be right up my alley. Like like the way I like films, it seems like a it seems like such a me. And that's why I was was kind of surprised of like, why am I not feeling this? Like it just. Yeah. Like that's what because it's like kind of. Like this weird crime thr- like it's a weird crime. it's all this kind of together. And also like Mark McDonald, like he's a very interesting director, I think the projects he works on and stuff too. Like Yeah. So it's like also I'll hilarious. Say like Seven Psychopaths is way funnier than it has any right to be. Does <laughs> she with like the dog once they get the dog killings? Like, yeah. The kid the dog <laughs> when he kidnaps the wrong dog and she's just like Jesus Christ. What do you realize what their their crime is though? I think it's what it like makes it wild too. 
They just return dogs for money. Like, that is not a crime ring. This should be made profitable. <laughs> I don't know what kind of neighborhood you have to live in to make that profitable, but... But yeah. Uh... We're gonna jump down to stuff. We want to... So, to make this be respectful, because we're about to... We were about to roast something. We're gonna do the, the serious of the film discussion first, and then we'll roast the other one. How's that sound? Sure. Uh, so, so to get us started, uh, it happened today, or at least it was announced today by a publicist, Richard Lewis, who is best known from Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, as, as, as like one of his best friends, uh, has died at the age of 76 uh, from a heart attack. Obviously, obviously it was like, not like a ton of, like, in a ton of stuff, but like, I think whenever he was there, it was a very good actor, and obviously in Curb Your Enthusiasm, like, I think at many points was like, one of the best characters on that show. So, that was that was kind of I wanted to shout that one out. Yeah, I, do you are you a Curb fan? Not really. Okay. Um. Not that I have anything wrong with it. It's but, a very um, yeah. It's it's kind of the you know, evolution of what Seinfeld was. And Seinfeld had its moments where I thought it was funny, but there was a lot of Seinfeld moments where I was just like, this is dumb. Um, and I think part of it too is like, I'm much more a fan of stand up, just stand up experiences than shows or even movies like I'll mm -hmm. have fun with movies but it's like you know a lot of shows that it feels like every show now that's a comedy is you know cringe office style mockumentary yeah. like that is so first off cringe comedy is the stupidest thing in the world oh no I agree on that it's like, there's, not there's funny way too whatsoever much Hear me out. That's just called whatever's on Comedy Central that was made in the last like three years, <laughs> or last like eight years. For being I honest, say, I haven't really. The last time I remember really watching Comedy Central was like, Workaholics was still on. Um, the, um I saw it like like 2017, 2018 still because like we would watch like South Park and stuff. But yeah. like, so you just kind of see, and that was like that's like what's there's that one show I don't understand. Like, there's a few shows I'd like, I just don't get it. Like, like, you know, a good example is like, I think we're talking about, I don't understand the joy of like Aquafina, for example. And that's a per example of like, that's kind of her shtick. Yeah. I've seen some of her stand up stuff and it's, it's okay. Um, but like when she's like acting, that's not, she kind of is like the, like that awkwardness kind of is her shtick. Yeah, I saw her in something fairly recently that... Yeah, there was something that, like, I... The, to, I'm gonna myself, there was one thing I remember when I was like, oh, she was fine. I remember saying, like, oh, yeah. She was playing, fine. like, a serious character, which is fine, but seeing the title card of Aquafina as A-W-K, W-A... I think it's... It's basically, like, spelled awkward. Um. Mm -hmm. And so you're just like, oh, that's right. You have the dumbest name in the world. 
And so I think part of the problem is like, I see that and I've got this like stigma that has been created of this is going to suck because you decided to name yourself some dumb name. Also, so like it's a dumb name, and I think we both agree that I'm going to defend her on one thing right here, just because I pulled up her Wikipedia just to remind me of her filmography. Mm-hmm. So this is a controversy that is the dumbest thing that I'm defending her on. Uh, that that people there's a controversy of her being cultural appropriation because apparently she raps too much like like African American artists, and she really should defend herself. Okay, people, calm down. Like Dude. that was this might be the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. Eminem had to defend himself because he was such a good rapper. Yeah, like this, this, this is so dumb. I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, just like, like, wrong. like. I guarantee you, yeah, all of that, so all of that controversy was probably written by some <laughs> fucking NYU or Stanford like poli sci white chick. Mm-hmm. And it's like. You sound too much like a black person. That's cultural appropriation. Meanwhile, black people are like, whatever. Like, is the music good? No, whatever. Or if it's good, like, cool. Wait, are you you good at what you do? Like, those should be the questions. That should be the old question. Uh, But yeah, then the other thing that we're here, let's be honest, AJ, there there were some good websites here. Maybe some people maybe go to some websites, but as a whole, I'm about to say the thing that we've been I've been waiting to say for a long time. Effective, there is no more vice. Let's, yeah, let's, as, as soon as the I'm, founders I'm not, I'm left, not, you knew was vice done. was just going to go downhill. Like, but also hear me out. What is the last thing, legitimately? that Vice did that was like, Vice, I think is a, so Vice, to clarify, is still going to exist as a production house, but like Vice.com and like the websites around Vice are going away. And Vice as a production house, I think has honestly been very good, even like the yeah. documentaries like that. But like Vice as like an online digital product, it's not, my biggest problem, like, it's just insert like generic blop here, like, like, is Vice that different than Vox was, or that been like the other? It's like no, they kind of all are the same. They all have the same ideas and people. It's like, did anyone really care about Vice? Like at a certain point. Well, the problem was everybody based their stuff off of Vice, mm-hmm. so Vice got lost in the crowd because everybody else became Vice, and it's like. You know, I loved the gorilla days of Vice where, like, they're driving around in a car going way too fast down city streets with a hitman and they're interviewing a hitman. Like, stuff like that. That I have no problem. That's not you. I think we both know what I'm talking about when I say the the Vice problems I have. Yeah. Like, I'm referring to, like, let's be honest, like, when Waypoint closed, we didn't really bat an eye at it. It's like that problem with Vice. I think also it's like at some point it's like. If I ran into Motherboard, it was half the time more about politics than actually technology news. Yeah. Well, also, I think you you had more of an affiliation with the Waypoint crew than Mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. Solely because 
That's the best way to say this and not sound like a complete fucking tool. Um, <laughs> Austin Walker, when kept in check, is one of the greatest minds in video game journalism. And I, th- I think I think we've talked about this. I think we both agree. I think yeah. him in isolation or him when he has to defend himself, I think is really good. I think it's him yes. when he is with someone who agrees with him is the problem. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he built a site that was an echo chamber mm-hmm. was not good. Right, that's what, like, legitimately, if you said there's a show where Austin Walker each week is going to sit down with someone he fundamentally disagrees with, about even, it could be, like, whatever the video topic, whatever it is, like, with someone yeah. who's not an echo chamber, I legitimately, even if I disagree with him, I think he'll make insanely strong arguments and he'll make entertaining arguments. Like, it'll be, like, a thing that's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he was... Also, he was either in a doctorate program or was going yeah, to be in I a doctorate in. program. I, I, yeah. Um, like, very, very intelligent dude. Very good writer. Very eloquent speaker. But Waypoint proved the all-too-common um, idea that if you echo chamber, it ruins who you are. Mm-hmm. And you need those external voices to help push back. Or at yeah. least help introduce new ideas. And honestly, like it's eventually what killed Vice, right? Was everything That's on exactly- Vice became echo chambers. That's, that's my problem with Vice, is that it's not saying you can't have ideas I don't agree with. That's that's not, but it's like a make it make sense. Well, like, don't make it sound like everything else out there is the big problem, too. Yeah, there it's Vice became a lot of like, woe is me. I'm not the problem. Everything else is the problem. Journalism. And it's like the fact that. The fact that it's the same outlet that used to have like tips from drug dealers in its magazine Mm -hmm. of like where to score the best Coke in New York city. And very much guerrilla journalism really going after stories that weren't covered in the normal day to day around the greater New York area. Mm -hmm. And as honestly, like as soon as vice became more Canadian, (laughs) right. There is a, I don't know how famous it is. I forget the view count on it now, but vice news did a piece on the Michigan militia, which is, one of, if not the largest civilian militia forces in the United States. How it was the biggest? It may have been overtaken by by this point. That's why I say I'm not 100% sure. Um, at one point in time, it was the biggest. And the dude that they have conducting the segment is some Canadian that's never held a gun before. Mm-hmm. And is like anti-gun. And I'm just like, dude, you can't have somebody that is anti-gun 
go do a story on effectively gun nuts, right? Right, right. or if you can't, like, or if you do, like, you almost need like a counter voice. Like, I think it'd be interesting. Like, yeah, yeah, because like, or you can, but like. What if you did two stories? What if they did the, like I think it'd be really fun is you send both of them, but they do a separate story. Like you send I the mean, pro gun guy really, and the anti gun guy into the stories. Really, what they should have done is like, first off, they should have sent somebody from the states that yes, understood 100%. understood gun culture in and the United should, States. Or the other thing should be is even if they're anti gun or pro more gun control, they should at least know guns. Or at least have a broad... Because that's probably a lot of stuff, too. It's like, you send people who have no clue what they're doing. Yeah. And it's just like, he he kind of rips them. And I'm like, dude, you're one to talk. You've never shot a gun before. Like, you've never interacted with a gun before. You've always seen them as, like, the devil. It's like, dude, if you're going to come at me with, you know, guns are bad we shouldn't have guns and then you're going to do a piece on the largest civilian militia organization in the United States. Right. You're inherently going to have an anti-gun you know slant. Right. And that's like, the problem with this. We knew what they're going to say. Yeah. So it was just like, dude, whoever the producer was on this that decided to have him the the guy that did the piece be the one doing it like why you couldn't find somebody in Chicago to do the piece Mm -hmm. you had to fly this guy from Toronto and or Vancouver I forget where he was from but you know somewhere outside of the U.S. that doesn't understand the inherent culture around guns, right? Like, you don't have to be a fan of guns, but when you've been in the States long enough, it's just part of your daily life. Well, here's what's interesting to me. I agree with you where we are. I don't know if that's true of the entire... Like, there are definitely pockets. I feel like that's less true. Because we also live in spots, too, where, like, even if you don't own one, you everyone knows people own one. Yeah, but even, like, even the big cities are the same way, right? Like, mm-hmm. you may not own one, but you know sketchy Carl down the street that's packing, like, four. <laughs> yeah. Right. You see, you just see a different side of it. That's fair. No, there there's yeah. a little more to it. it and yeah. we, we and like there's also a level of like we'll drive in a city and you'll see a gun store. It's stuff like that, like little stuff that makes it a little more normal too. Yeah. And then you have that cities like uh, New York City that are trying to basically ban. We okay, we got to move on because otherwise <laughs> we're I'm gonna rant for four hours about gun control in this country. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. But yeah, uh, jumping, we got two trailers that came out that really mattered. Uh, we have Borderlands and Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool, Deadpool, it looks like Deadpool. We're going to have a good time. Yeah. Borderlands is what I want to talk about. Uh, Borderlands, you know we talked about earlier how seven psychopaths might be distracting because of the casting? 
At least it doesn't like it causes a form distraction. It. Yeah. Oh, this Borderlands is a thousand is percent. Like, this is one of those. Yeah. This is this is. Uh, I, I guess nepotism at its finest. Like. You mean because the, so there is there is some casting in this film that I do like. I actually somewhat like Jamie Lee Curtis as as uh, Tannis in the trailer. That is a, about the amount of, like, the main characters that we saw acting. Besides, like, Jack Black's Claptrap. Jack Black can be Jack Black, and, and we're all going to love it. Yeah, Jack the Black is Jack like, Black, like, so. Yeah, like, he's just playing himself there. I don't understand why we have Kate Blanchett and Kevin Hart in this. Well, okay, Kate Blanchett, I could at least see a lot more. Why is Kevin Hart rolling? Who l- l- played or looked at Borderlands for more than two minutes and said Kevin Hart. Yeah, let's pick a 5'3 dude. Like, Roland, Roland is supposed is to be this, like, fucking yoked a and military, he's Yeah, he's a military, like, he's supposed to be this military veteran, like. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense. In the slightest. I mean, what I don't so understand is. The jokes. Yeah, what I don't understand is why this movie isn't, like, this should be a breakout movie or an introduction for some new actors. Or, like, again, you could throw in an actor or two we know to, like, make sense because of sales tickets point of view. But, like, yeah. that's what it should be. It should be, like, it should be, like, a, sure, Jamie Lee Curtis is Tannis. Stop. Okay, that's the A-lister. Like, it should be one of those. Yeah. Also, having on your poster from the producer of Uncharted, Spider-Man, and Venom. That doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Also, you you do the are you look at the poster right now. Uh, yeah, I've got it pulled up. Okay. Does it look like they just gave Kevin Hart a Walmart costume and said go sit down? Dude, that is a thrift store <laughs> fine and a Nerf gun that props painted in like five minutes. <laughs> Like, that looks horrible, right? <laughs> the fact that it looks this... so much like a Nerf gun. It's like, dude. <laughs> this guy... Is this Literally, the worst yeah. poster I've ever seen for a movie? <laughs> like... It's one of the worst, for sure, yeah. Well, like, mean... look, look, at, look at Lilith. <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Like, yeah. Her hair looks like they put it on her. Because they did. That's totally a hairpiece. Like, it's just so bad. Also, are we ignoring the part of are you ready for the other wild part? It's obvious that this photo shoot didn't happen because there's no shadows on anyone. Yeah, I mean, this is clearly something that was pieced together. Like, like, like. I don't understand. I thought. I don't know if I ever looked at this poster hard enough. This is just, this is literally. Other than, um, is that supposed to be Tina? Other than Tina on the psycho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real thing. You could see the shadow on it. Yeah. You could tell that's, that's like actually a thing they probably did. Or at least there's, yeah, cause even like her back kind of has a, some shadow, but like, her, her next to Roland and Lilith. There's no shadows going on there at all. Yeah. Like, like Roland look, 
Roland looks like they took him like out of the middle of the day. Yeah, I mean, it, if you it genuinely looks like it took them five minutes to put that together. God, also, Lilith's hair, like, if you watch the trailer, her hair looking like that, that's her hair. Mm -hmm. So her hairpiece is done like that to look like it's blowing in the wind. Uh, the only interesting thing about it is uh, the other one that we'd see a bunch of... Uh, so Krieg, which is like that big psycho he's on, uh, is is the guy who played the villain in Creed Two. Yeah, Florian. Florian. I, I was gonna say, yeah. dude, like the dude playing that psycho. No, Krieg looks fine. The is, Krieg actually looks fine. Well, is clearly like somebody that is very much in shape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the things that looked fine to me, honestly, are Krieg and Claptrap, and Claptrap because obviously, um. And then honestly, looking at what we've seen, and just because I really like Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm Tannis, I think I really think has a shot because she's the, she's that type of actress, I think, that could pull off a very kooky character. Well, and Jamie Lee so. Curtis is enough of a nerd that she's probably mm -hmm. if she hasn't played I believe through, if she play this. <laughs> she's at she least played of. some yeah. of Borderlands. That's right. Like she's the actress we put on a product list, I go, oh, she wants to be here. You'd have to teach her what this like what a video game is. Yeah. We're, we're like some of the others. It's like, do we? I think we've been like. Kate Blanchett. I don't think even knows what a video game is. <laughs> um. Ariana Greenblatt, who plays uh, Tiny Tina, probably. She might even be too. I have no idea how old she is, but she might even be too young 20, for Borderlands. Yeah, I think she's like twenty. Um. And Kevin Hart's clearly just always in it for the paycheck, so. <laughs> well, yeah, that, 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 I think we do that. So, but yeah, let's jump into the game stuff. Uh, we have officially just have a trailer for EA Sports College uh, coming out. No, it's CFB25. Yeah, sorry, CFB25. Coming out in summer, full reveal, coming out in like two, three months. Uh, you can get this. Yeah, this this is what's guy. crazy. The full reveal is in May. Yeah. They're saying Comes coming this summer. So that's August at the latest. And August, like, let's be honest. Is Madden. Like, it's probably, yeah. Like, I don't think you want to fight. I feel like they want to do this where it's off season on purpose. So you're telling me they're going to do a full reveal in May. This game's coming out in July. <laughs> like. Yeah. The only thing is, though. I'm curious how much they have to sell people on this game versus tell them it exists. Bro, they don't have to sell anybody anything on this. <laughs> they just didn't tell me what exists. College football fans have been waiting for this game for fucking... Since 07? No, 14. Uh, 14 okay. was the last one. Like... Okay. For... Go look up the price of NCAA football 14. Like, honestly, That's... go do that right now. For a 12-year-old game. Okay, okay. I got I got a copy of NCAA Football 14 Xbox 360 on Amazon.com. It's saying visit... Is this from Electronic Arts? What? I'm so uh, no, go on eBay, because then you know it's actually real. That's fair. 
Um, no, I was just confused because I was pulling it from the electronic arts store. I think I think Amazon messed up its listing there. Potentially. Mm. Well, because it was not. It was. It was not for sure. EA for sure was not selling it. And that's why I was confused. Oh hey, uh, I know when it's coming out. When's it coming out? June seventh, twenty four. Why June seventh? The uh, clapper at the end of the trailer says six seven twenty four. EA oh, cross CFB. Tell your friends. I have found one copy that says read description. Uh, um, I have a forty buck copy I found, but I can't tell if it's real. Uh, the other it other probably is isn't if it's only forty dollars. I I see some in the sixties. I see some in the seventies. Some in the eighties. That seems like the real copies. Um, some as high as I actually have a disc only forty two bucks. Yeah, it's a decently expensive game. Yeah, complete in the box, working for... I can get you 12 for way cheaper. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 95 bucks, 65, 70. Speaking of eBay, did I tell you when they took off Spec Ops the line, I bought a copy of eBay? Literally, here's NCAA 14... It's just the disc. It's in like a clear plastic CD case and it's bidding. So it's not even a buy now. It's got 23 bids. It's at $75. Like here's people selling cracked versions of Well, you probably shouldn't buy these because that's very much fully piracy. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> There's some that are like over 200 bucks, but it's like, okay, this is a pirated version of NCAA 14 with college football revamped installed. Like, yeah, this is just, uh, yeah, no, don't, don't buy this. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> you might see a few, I saw a few of those. Holy cow, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> trusted top seller with over 500 revamped, okay, it's a console. So it's a cracked console. <laughs> it's a cracked PS3 just, with. Do you know, so it's. It's less that eBay sells those. It's more shocking to me how many Instagram ads I get for cracked consoles. Do do you get Instagram ads for cracked consoles? I get them all the time. Uh, Not a ton. It's a PS cracked PS3 with four pirated games. And I can also add any PS3, PS2, and PS1 games of your choice. And then has a list of most every franchise. Oh, my. And then at the very bottom, all games have been purchased. No, they haven't. (laughs) Top critical review. This is July 25th of 23. Awful. Arrived 10 days late when it finally came. It didn't even have a power cord. Then when I went and bought a power cord that was supposed to be included, that, that was supposed to be included, the game didn't even have updated rosters. Do not buy from this seller. (laughs) 
<laughs> Didn't even update my senses, but they guess. <laughs> that's amazing. But yeah, that, that's the news. We'll see if, if his prediction is correct on the June date. Uh, the other thing... I mean, I feel like it. the fact that that is literally the last shot of this teaser is your clapper saying 6, 7, 24. It, you know, it's just a little too much, like... A little too on the nose. That's fair. Very uh, fair. Uh, the next thing I want to show is just that Sony announced that PlayStation 5 is officially on the back half of its life. I'm assuming that... that we'll so people took, people took the news like shocking. To me, that news wasn't shocking, honestly. I think people took it shocking because the PS4 lasted so long into the, the PS5 PS4, okay. life cycle. Oh, that's fair. I was going to say, like, PS4 to PS5, this would check out for this being the halfway mark. Because yeah. the seven years were at the year four. Like, this would be logically, like, the halfway mark in that regard. That's why I was like, I didn't understand the confusion people had. Because yeah. to me, I was like, yeah, I would expect it to be. I don't know. Oh, man. People weird. Uh, the biggest news story of the month, though, by far, is uh, officially there are Xbox games coming to PlayStation. Uh, we are starting with the first four, with some of them being out already. So the, fir- the four games coming... Uh, to PS4 and PS5 and Nintendo Switch for some, so it depends on the game. So Pentiment goes to PS4, PS5, Nintendo Switch came out on the 22nd of February. Hi-Fi Rush will be coming to PS5 on March 19th. A Grounded will be coming uh, to PS4, PS5, and Switch on April 16th, and then Sea of Thieves to PS5 on April 30th. So I'm going to say the obvious thing, I think, I'm curious what you think on this one is. I'm assuming that you probably agree with me that this is maybe the first batch of games. These would not be the last batch of games coming to PlayStation and Nintendo consoles. Correct. Yeah. The, this is clearly paving is the a, way for Xbox to diversify their portfolio. Uh, you know, it's really nice. This means I won't have to play Starfield on PC if I ever want to play it. Because I... I will bet you this will come out. Starfield? I, I will, I will, yeah. will come out on PlayStation. We might bet. I mean, Bethesda obviously hopes that Starfield would come out on PlayStation. Bethesda obviously doesn't want anything to be exclusive based on their <laughs> internal emails that we saw. <laughs> I loved them like, wait, hold on, what? Yeah, I think you could do who? But we can't. Yeah. So, but yeah, I that that this is definitely the thing. I we I also be curious how all of these sells and if we get sales figures for them. Because most of these games we don't get sales figures. For. Remember, Microsoft I just mean, says how many people played the game. They never say how many people bought a game anymore. It wouldn't surprise me if we see some version of sales numbers. Because it will be the first time we get sales numbers to these games, then, besides, like, unless they're announced separately on an earnings call. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be curious yeah, to see how they do that. that. Yeah, so the, I'll be very intrigued, and also I'll be intrigued kind of what's the next set going on. So, beautiful. Uh, next thing, 
on the list of hopefully let's be honest the only good news uh that there's some interesting stuff gonna happen in the industry externally one of the big ones is so storm so stormgate uh which is a develop developer oh the stormgate is developed words in my mouth freaking out uh frost giant a developer of stormgate which has a game on kickstarter a few years ago uh has announced that they're opening up uh, some equity positions on via Start Engine, which is a website you could like invest in a non-public companies. I just find this interesting because obviously we're in a very bad publishing environment for people right now, and it's interesting watching developers trying to find a way to get funding but not deal with what we are seeing as we'll get to this month already of some massive layoffs and, and problems even raising money. I, did, did you have any thoughts on that kind of? Do you do you feel this is interesting a good thing a bad thing kind of a developer trying this as an option it feels like the final death throws you know what i mean like this is their last shot that if this doesn't work out don't be surprised if you hear that the studio is shuttering kind of the amount of stories of the last month of developers shuttering like mostly indies right of like being like we can't get funding or shuttering has been a bit terrifying so i I do think this is probably them they probably have a little bit of a like a maybe a longer runway than like a month or two maybe they're like six months but i do probably agree with you that they're at least running down the runway real fast yeah and we will see uh i guess it's time already to jump to all of the layoffs of the month. Uh, the so we'll get to this big ones in here, and we'll kind of single those out in a second. But but we'll kind of start with some of the the broader ones. So we had some support teams being had some layoffs, including Disruptor had layoffs. Uh, the team behind DC Universe Online, which I forget still a game. So Daybreak had a bunch of layoffs there. Yeah, and then uh, let's. Yeah, and then let's jump to then. This this is all in the last seven days. This final set, and these are the ones that obviously I think were the bigger ones. Uh, first one being super massive, uh, announced they're laying off ninety people. Deck Nine Games announced they are doing massive layoffs. It was like thirty percent of their staff. And then the big one, which is the wild one is that PlayStation announced they were laying off approximately like 8 or 9% of their staff and closing London Studios and cancelled uh, their... What we found out is they also cancelled a game which would be a reboot of Twisted Metal. What was your kind of initial when you saw that Sony one and kind of that all that kind of wrapped as one? Uh, the Sony one was maybe the most surprising... Only because how widespread it was. Yeah, the Sony one, like let's so so a bunch of those got hit, including Gorilla, Naughty Dog, and Insomniac. Yeah. So what's interesting is not Meteor Mario, not Ben. So like not the studios people thought were in trouble. It's like it, that's what I find interesting also. Because those are stories like we've we've been assuming were if every, like those kind of like like if you read places of it's like oh people kind of assumed those are the ones we don't know what's going on with them they're a bit smaller they're kind of isolated 
where it's like London Studio had maybe the lowest overhead of any PlayStation Studios just because how small that team was. Yeah. It was the only VR support they had left. And then Insomniac just released the fastest selling game in history. But the other thing I noticed kind of following my feeds, including like LinkedIn stuff and like connections I have, is those three teams of Insom, of Naughty Dog, and, and of Gorilla is, it seems like community managers and, and, and public face people are the ones who actually got laid off more than developers on those. And I'm curious if they're going to do some sort of like consolidating or changing how they're doing communications internally in Sony to kind of save money. Wait, you're telling me a video game company laid off people that they probably overhired during COVID? Oh, no, I'm not, I, I do think a lot of this is... Pro- do I think... Because if you look at, like, PlayStation's a good example, right? Yeah. They, 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 they have a really high revenue number, but their percentage of... Re- like, they're only, like, a 6% margin business, 5% margin business. Like, they don't actually have a ton of rigor room. So it's one right. of these yeah. things that, like, they definitely overhired, if you look at those actual... What they're getting in the day profit-wise. I just, nothing drives me up the wall more when people talk about these layoffs than them just generalizing these layoffs. Like, you have to look at who's being, like, I, I have to look at, like, who, yeah. what's the position? Like, 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 like London Studio, good example. Yeah, all of them got hit. Like, what, like yeah. you can't isolate that one, for example. But, like, the other was, I'm not saying other developers didn't get hit, because I promise you, we dug, we could find technical people got hit. But it's interesting to me that it did seem like, the ones that I was seeing a lot of, it's like, oh, it seemed like a lot of those PRE type roles. They're like, I wonder if Sony is kind of rolling, rolling them into a single team. Yeah, it was just like, people, you have to remember, during COVID, these studios were hiring people based on the boom of 2020. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they had all this revenue and this budget that they could spend. We're now three, four years clear of that. Guess what? We're back to normal. You, you didn't at, have I these. Go- you didn't have these people before twenty. So you probably shouldn't have them anymore. Like, it's a very ruthless way to look at it. But it's also like people you can't keep just like woe is me what's going on with the industry just please look more than just the tweet so like you I say wanna, look so, who's getting well, laid off right and I want to dig into it. we understand that layoffs for anyone is rough and like for a lot of people it's really hard to find work right now especially those types of industries Yeah, but it's interesting to me still that even with an active, as we've been seeing, layoffs and horrible things that are happening, the industry in terms of employment is still bigger than, like, pre-pandemic. And even, like, it's still today probably bigger than it was probably in, like, 22 would be my guess, or 21. Like, it's it's interesting kind of how much it's still grown, even though it feels very, like, everyone's being laid off right now. I mean, it's just reverting back to the mean, right? It's... That's probably it's probably the means a little bit higher than it was, but it's yeah. still yeah, it's still we overguessed at what that mean was. I mean, everyone was just living, you know, like fat pigs because the industry was doing so well sales wise 
that these companies were like, hey, we should probably hire more people if our charts look like this. We need more people to support charts looking like this. Mm-hmm. And then the inevitable is charts stop looking like that. And you start looking at your expenditure chart and go, holy shit, we hired way too many people. And is it unfortunate that a lot of people lost their jobs? Yes. Then again, as you say, it's been a lot of community managers. It's been a lot of public-facing people. Mm -hmm. Anything you hear from community managers, from journalists, from, you know, public personas, is that that side of the industry is designed to chew you up and spit you out. Also, let's be honest, and I'm going to say this is a broader truth, too, is like, as a whole, journalism jobs and those type of jobs have shrunk over the last 40 years. Yeah. And like, and that's partially, and what's interesting is, because they're also the people who report on that type of stuff, it always seems like it becomes very interesting of like, I'm curious the true level of apocalyptic it is versus like, because they're the ones who it's affecting and they're also the the mouthpieces. It's going to sound objectively worse because it's directly affecting them versus like indirectly affecting them, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're way more likely to They're going to be sounding the alarm because they want to protect themselves because naturally, of course, you would. In the same yeah. way, we would both protect ourselves. They're in the position that's, but like, they're the public voice, so it's like a louder when they do it. Yeah, I was going to say, they're they're more likely to draw attention to the layoffs and maybe cover the fact that the people getting laid off are community managers. And to clarify, we're not saying it's good to be laid off and it's good, like, but there's like some realities that I think get ignored in this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, even like, being a tight margin and budgets bloated and like, it's not just a, like, sure, there are people, very rich people making a lot of money up top, but if you look at the actual businesses, it's not this, like, it's a cash cow, like, as a whole. And it'd be like, a lot of companies are like, scraping by completely to how most companies make money. I mean, gone are the days of, you know, companies like Midway in the 90s where the executives were cashing massive checks. So were every every other employee. But then again, every employee at Midway, you know, counted up to being... Right, and, 35? like, you could find stories now of, like, an indie that made it and, like, sure, and now they're all rich. And, like, those stories exist. But, like... Otherwise, the average, like, the average triple I bet you if we, on a graph every year, looked at every single triple game, I bet you the majority of triple games lose money. At least at the start, yeah. Yeah, like, and I mean, like, and I mean, like, and I just mean, like, of all triple games. So, like, so there's so yeah. much, like, there's oh, so yeah. much of, like, and, and that's why you hear stuff of, like, a bunch of sports who is going to, it's like, because a lot of them are the ones who do this, and, like, it, as it gets, budget gets higher, publishers gonna go less less it's like uh the one who's jumping right now is ea is the other one today announced five percent reduction in force after last year six percent and their big thing is like we are not going to be externally licensing products anymore besides sports products because the licensing fees and it's just not economically worth it anymore 
Which is good news. I think a lot of people will... I think, though, EA got better with at least some of the Star Wars licenses. Cause as we, the other thing is that came out from some journalists is it's the Mandalorian project got canceled at Respawn, which was something that looked very interesting. Um, but what I was going to say uh, in regards to the... Um, how they're going to handle external licensing mm -hmm. is a lot of people saw if EA licensed something, it was kind of the death knell for that product because they were like, okay, this thing's just going to be, you know, sent off to some support studio. It's going to not be great. Um, and then EA is going to have the license for 15 years because that's the deal that they cut. So I am happy to see that change. And granted, that change around Star Wars was Disney um, saying, hey, we're not going to be exclusive. Which is great because we've got... Um, that Ubisoft game that from the preview stuff looks pretty fucking awesome. And mm -hmm. I mean, really, at least for me, the Mandalorian project getting canned, I'm not, I don't care. <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan after the first season. Of the Mandalorian. Same. Um, but like, like I, I do think there was some of this game looked very interesting. Like, I think at least this is what it leaked out. I'm like, and also it being respawned. I think it's kind of, well, I'd be like, okay, we'll yeah. give him a shot. Yeah. That was part of it to me was like, it's respawned. My, yeah, my biggest problem with Star Wars stuff is like, that IP is one of the few IPs where you'll sell so many games if it's just set in that universe. Mm -hmm. Right, like Lord of the Rings is probably the other one mm -hmm. where you could make a game. I mean, look at Shadow of Mordor, right? Like, those games did very well. They weren't, you know, Frodo and uh, Samwise and Gandalf, and, you know, they explored a different avenue with that license. The. Um, Star Wars Jedi games they handle it completely differently and it's like the only reference that they have to the movies is Darth Vader and mm -hmm. that's it and because of that it allows them to explore an IP that needs to be explored or deserves to be explored, I should say. That certainly needs mm -hmm. to be. Um, and, I mean, there's... I'm sure there's other franchises that people would love to explore the world of and a story in that world that maybe doesn't involve its main characters. I mean, my dream would be like a Star Trek game where you're somehow 
not with the main Star Trek cast. Yeah, like just like, in that world. Like you want like like I, I, I yeah, cause like Star I want to be on another ship. Right? Like yeah. Like like yeah, it's just that universe. The issue is that universe. I think the universe probably of like the big expanded universe type stuff is probably the least fleshed out, and that's probably because you don't kind of they kind of do kind of be like here's our main cast or crew and just kind of follow them. Yeah. Because I think extended because like otherwise also that world it, like there's a little stuff of like there isn't like wars as the same like some of the modern ones kind of deal with that stuff but it's very different than like the Star Wars type wars or like there's always that stuff of like they don't have currency there's all these like weird stuff that makes it harder to flesh something I feel like economically and like politically and stuff yeah yeah there's definitely drawbacks to that but I would love like if you could work your way up to captain mm, like going through the yeah like the academy I think would be cool that would be awesome. Yeah, no, that that is something I think you could work on, and you still, especially the Academy B on Earth, you do some kind of fun like, what does it look like now stuff as you like head to space before you head to space. Yeah, and then you could have you know a crew management aspect. Like, there's a lot of stuff that they could do. But we had like that, that VR, like that Starship Crew game. I've everyone loved. I thought from Ubisoft, wasn't from Ubisoft. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, Uh, you were, whoever was the pilot was Kirk. Like, it was clearly set in, I forget, there were were a couple of areas um, that you could play in, but yeah, it was clearly like... Obviously you were being one of them. Yeah. That makes sense. So... Let's jump into games coming out. We have a few more games on the list. We've been told a few things more, at least. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront Classic Collection, which was announced at the Nintendo Switch Showcase, will come out on March 14th. Are you going to check that one out? I forgot if you were, were you a Battlefront guy. Uh, I'll check it out. I probably won't play a ton of it. Yeah, I was Unless... I, I played a if, bit. Dude, if Battlefield... Or Battlefield... If Battlefront 2 is just a basically remaster of it's thir- it's 32 versus 32 i think which also, is what it know, was that's like a it's uh, bigger no the 64 is 64 it's because it's bigger the battles are bigger now i was gonna say 32 v 32 was original so um but yeah if it's basically just like up battlefront 2 i'm all in that game's so much fun that game is very good um, something coming after is Dragon's Dogma 2 comes out March 22nd. Prison Architect 2 comes out March 26th. Celebrate April 26th. Uh, Son is Saga Hellblade 2, uh, from, which is what we are Microsoft's first party game, comes out May 21st. Destiny 2 The Final Shape, followed by Destiny 2 Layoffs, probably, uh, <laughs> comes out June 4th. And then Elden Ring Shadow of the Erd Tree comes out June 21. And if my. Uh, do you not- if my guess is correct, uh, CFB 25 is somewhere in June. Yep. So, uh, do you think I'm wrong? Do you not think Bungie, Bungie will have more layoffs this year? Oh, dude, Bungie, <laughs> Bungie will lay off the entire Destiny 2 team. I'll be very curious if it just becomes like you either go to Marathon or you're out kind of stuff. And they also have like that one more, the other game too. They have the that game they're working on with, is it Tencent? 
Yeah. Before Sony Boston, they announced that one deal. But like, but like, I feel like Dusty Street do feel like that team's about to get. Yeah. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, finally, for the movie, I'm gonna say them. We know the answer already. Uh, Ghostbusters, Frozen Empire, Roadhouse, Kung Fu Panda Four, or what's the correct answer? Roadhouse. Dune. 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 I know. <laughs> so I mean yes because we did the watch along for Dune Part 1 we should mm-hmm. do Dune Part 2 that being Wait, said Roadhouse no, would be a fun it. one to do you did that's that's not a thing we did Dune 1 yeah it was you and I watched it together yeah. no yeah no yeah that was one of those senior ones that we did you're, I don't remember this. Yeah, that's how we watched it. Because it was on Max. No, I know we did a few of those. I, I, like, I remember we doing yeah. it with... Um, we did it uh, with Space Justice Jam. League. We did uh, Mortal Kombat. Oh, Justice League was my entire Sunday or Saturday we did it. Yeah, I, dude, I was hammered by the end of that, too. <laughs> I think I remember that. That I remember. I made like did it. I made a picture and I made two pictures of mimosas and I drank both of them while we were watching Justice League Snyder Cut. And we did Dune as well. Why. Okay, I'm looking this up now because I I am not joking you. I do not remember this. I search. But yeah, we're doing Dune Part 2. Are you seriously looking for it? I'm telling you who made this up. I don't remember this and I don't I can't find proof of this. Uh, we're not ending this until I I want to see this is the moment of like am I crazy or is he crazy? I'm, I'm when did it officially come out? Was it 21 or 20? We may not have done an episode on it. Um, Did we just watch it? I think yeah, we may have just watched it together. Well, here I can pull yeah. up the masters. I've got the master files. <laughs> I'm going to find this, and I'm going to. Okay, sorry. The Suicide Squad in August of 21. Which that one was also a watch. I thought. Yeah, it is because you've got Jam. your video up. Yep, Space Jam in July. Uh. F9. That was not a watch along. Let's see. No, I know. I'm just gonna go. I'm going backwards on the movie clubs. Um, I have Mortal Kombat, April. Oh yeah, because there was like no movies in there. So I forgot that. Um. Uh, Snyder Cut. What Snyder Cut right now in March of 21. We did a Cody Banks one. I don't remember that. No, Cody, you don't remember watching Cody Banks? That was like one of the early ones. That was a good time. I'm going through the archives. That's why I brought that up. No, no, no. We loved it. If you you go back, we loved it. Hellboy would have been after that. That was once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, I have Tenet in September of 20, and then we don't have a movie club for a while. Movie Club 19 was April 14th of 2020. When was Dune released? 
You said the April one? October 22nd, 21. Telling you, I think you made this up. It may not have been a movie club, but I'm pretty sure we watched it together. Maybe did. I used to remember. May of 20. Let's see. Yeah, we go from that suicide. Oh, and we go from that suicide squad to the Lost World Jurassic Park. I forgot we did that one. Thor: Love and Thunder, Spider Verse, Oppenheimer. Did you ever watch a movie and just thought you watched it? Was oh no, we watched this. <laughs> well, I also forget, forgot that I. Uh, just say used to the used to do the um, episode numbers, oh, so yeah. I'm trying to find stuff and it's not easy. <laughs> if you ask, I'm like I'm looking at it right now, kind of on the other end. Yeah, but we will end it there. But I I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we probably watch together. But we yes, Dune part two. Go check it out. Apparently, right now it's the highest rated movie ever on Rotten Tomatoes. So no. What. Super hyped movie is now the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> hey, to be fair, it is a director that has he missed. Debatable. Uh, in English stuff, it's a lot harder to debate, but. Okay, in his, in his like Hollywood stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean. I wasn't the biggest fan of Arrival, but sure, sure. But I think we could both um, understand that it's, it's broadly respected. I think I think neither of us would argue with that. Yeah. You love Sicario. That's my favorite movie of his. Prisoners is really good. What's that? Prisoners is really good. Yeah. Um, if you go off of enemy, like the IMDb. Star rating. His worst movie is Happiness Bound, I believe, at 4.9 stars. Which is not even listed on his uh, Wikipedia. That was 2007. Okay. Um, Pre-Dune 2, his highest rated English was Prisoners at 8.1. Blade Runner and Dune are both at 8.0. Arrival is a 7.9. Sicario is a 7.7. Do you ever think we'll get a third Sicario? Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Sicario, Chaos, Kapos is in development. I was going to say, I know they're working on it. Um, But that was all I would have... I knew yeah. that they were working on it. I didn't know anything else about it. Yeah, that will do it for us here. And we will see all of you soon. Next time, come again. Thank you. Come again. Say goodbye. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey, by sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow the SWW Show on social media at the SWW Show, or sooner or later, you go to the patreon.com slash SWW to help us out. Thank you. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day.